We're continuing in our systematic study in the person of God. I don't believe there is any more significant study than this. Because the entire, God's entire purpose, may I repeat that? Mike, may I say that again? God's entire purpose, beginning with Genesis 1-1 and crescendoing or culminating in Revelation 21 and 22, his entire purpose is that we be a people who first are known by him personally so that we may know him. You notice I didn't put know him first. That's backward. That we would be a people who are known by him. Well, God knows everybody. And we'll have to talk about that a little bit next week. But that he is personally manifesting who he is and brings us into a relational experience with him where relationally, experientially, he knows us. Not just, hey, I know the people in my block. I know the people in my neighborhood. But then there's some people that you really know. Correct? You know your family. So that we would be able to know him. And a huge aspect, a part of knowing him is to know who he is in himself. To know how he is, his nature, and then his character. So that we may be a people who display in us this God who knows us in the self-giving life of the Son of God, at the cross especially, having sent the Holy Spirit after the resurrection so that we would know him. Amen. This study is hugely significant. Hey, Patrick. So we've already studied and looked at what attribute, what something about what, what do we call the attributes of God. If you were not in here during that, what was that like? The first or second study, Matt, do you remember? Where we went over the attributes, what does attribute mean, et cetera, in a general way. If you didn't get that, please, please go online and listen to it. So we've already looked at the four attributes. What are the four attributes we've looked at? What's the first one we looked at? The aseity. Aseity, which means what? This is critical. This is, this is going to be on the final exam if I were teaching you. This is, you know, if this were the class at school, this is going to be on your final exam, Gail. Aseity. It has to do with God's 
self-existence. That before anything existed of the material, natural creation, when they, they weren't nothing there, God is. Now, you thought I was going to say God was. God is. The most fundamental statement about the person of God is that he is. And that out of nothing, everything came into being through the authoritative power of his word. Correct? Are you with me this morning? How did that happen? We are the evidence that it did. Then, what is another of the attributes that we've studied? Actually, we've only studied three. I said four. I'm sorry. Omnipresence. What does that mean? That God is everywhere in his creation. Everywhere. Immediately. That all there is of God is right here with us today, right now. Right now. And all there is of God in this creation is over there right now. That it cannot be that God is diminished in his presence. And we'll talk about some of what that means next week. So he isn't more with Papa here as he is with Steve Roberts. We think that way, don't we? Right, Valinda? Oh, God is more with this person than he is with me. Or I, that's a feeling, but it's not truth. I need to get going. Then the other omni is what? Omniscient. Meaning God's knowledge of everything in the creation is absolutely total, immediate, and comprehensive. Did you get that? It's total, it's immediate, and it's comprehensive. Which means that all of those, for instance, who are saved have always been known by God relationally as those whom he loves, as his family members. It's always been that way with God, and it always will be. So before creation, God knew every one of us. When he created, he created for the purpose of bringing forth this nation of people whom he has always known, but in a historical time context, he creates so that we can, in time and physically, be the expression of his goodness. Come on in, Dom. Y'all come on in. Come on. It's okay. Come on in. This morning we'll talk about two more. The next one we're going to talk about is omnipotence. 
Now, what does omnipotent mean? All-powerful. You know that God is called the Almighty in the Old Testament, and in nine places in Revelation, he's called the Almighty. All-powerful. Now, how many of you have ever heard this question? If God is all-powerful, can he create a stone that he cannot pick up? Well, 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 look, you know, well, if it, and then, well, what does all-powerful mean? What we have to remember, critical to remember, and this is a struggle for us, critical to remember, is that every attribute of God exists simultaneously and equally and comprehensively with every other attribute of God. Do we get that? There is no attribute of God that is more important, more functional than any other attribute of God. You see where we go wrong in our understanding of the word? We begin to categorize in significance various attributes. So we would say the most important attribute of God, if I were to ask you and you didn't know what we were doing, most of you would say, what, God's love. How many of you do that? Come on, you can raise your hand. It's okay. I certainly would. Why? Because it's God's love. I probably experience a whole lot more than God's omniscience. I'm not aware of God's omniscience. I don't know that he is all knowing and yet he's, I don't, I don't have that personal feeling experience, but I do of God's love. But is God all powerful in any and every circumstance? No, God's power is always exercised within the context of his nature, of his character. So what does that mean? That means this, that God cannot do what is not in keeping with his character. Can we make sure we see that? Remember, and I have it here in your notes, I think, Mark 10, 27. God cannot lie. So is God all-powerful, Susie, to do anything he wants to do at any time? Hmm? What's the matter? I know. What did I call you? I just realized. What is your name? This is going to let everybody know your name. Go ahead. Go ahead. Say it. Peggy. Sometimes I do that. I call people different names, and, you know, you, I, I see in your eyes. You know, he, she's thinking this way. You know how long that man has known me? And he even knows that I have three grandchildren. Five, you see. That's what she said. I thought you were going to scream it out. What were we talking about? Is God able to do anything whatsoever? Yes or no? No. God's omnipotence or his power is exercised within the context of his other attributes. His omnipotence is not apart from and disassociated 
from his other attributes. So you see how this works? And especially when we talk about the love of God, we must remember this. Because often there are questions about the stability, the dependency, the assurance of God's love for us. Haven't you ever had those feelings and thoughts? And so, again, we must ground our knowledge of God in who he is in himself. Because who he is, he displays in all of his actions and of his words. He is not inconsistent. Therefore, all things that God wants to do are in keeping with his character. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 9, 8. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Why is the Apostle Paul able to say that? Because God is omnipotent. And this is extremely important for us to understand, especially when we read these words in 1 John three twenty-two: Whatever we ask, we receive of him. Whatever we ask, we receive of him. Is God able to answer every one of our prayers? Yes or no? Depend. Uh, uh, <laughs> if our prayer is not in keeping with his character, with his will, is God necessarily going to answer that prayer. Now, I didn't say he won't answer the prayer because he might. But has God bound himself? Listen what I say. Bound himself, not bound by my ability to pray, not bound by my faith, not bound by my confession. God is not bound by anything whatsoever at any time under any circumstance within the creation. He is bound by one thing, his own personhood, right? So is God bound by anything I ask for? No. So how do I know that God is going to answer my prayer? When it's in keeping with his nature and character, when it's in keeping with his will, correct? Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, in other words, according to who God is, according to who I am in myself, according to my purpose, my will, my character, everything about me, if you ask anything within that context, if you ask that, believing and trusting in me, he says, I have bound myself to answer you. Is that correct? Have I overstated it? Is anybody worried about what I just said? So that being correct, what is necessary for us when we pray? To know the will of God. And where is the will of God manifested or displayed or pointed out? Where? Todd, where? In his word. 
So now God has now, listen to this, given the authority of his ass. What does assay mean? I know I'm taking my time, but what does assay? Assayity is made up of two Latin words. Ah, meaning what? Of and say, S-E, self. If God is assay, and since God, rather, is assay, is his omnipotence also assay? Is it self-existent in him as he is? So God has given the authority of his assay character, I'm sorry, omnipotence to a man. How do I know that? What does Jesus say when he is about to depart? In Matthew 28, 20. What does it say? And as he's leaving, as he's ready to depart, what does he say? He says to his disciples, what? All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. So think about this. The assay authority of God has been now given to Jesus for him to, as a man, exercise God's authority. There's a man who rules the universe. There's a man who upholds all things by the word of his power. Because this man is eternally now the God-man. Correct? The God-man. Now, with this in mind, with this omnipotence in mind, let me read this from Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling... You you, you just hear what I said. How many of you understanding that omnipotence is an attribute of God that is as everlasting, eternal as God is? How many of you know now that that's a good statement? Have any of you read that kind of statement? God is able to keep you. And worried about it. Anyone ever worried about that? You're not sure about that? You feel that it's not happening? Anyone? It happens all the time. So what is the remedy to our worry? When I am worried about, is God able to bring me through this storm? Is God able to, whatever it is. And I'm not sure if he is because I see everything around me and I don't see any evidence in the natural world that God is able. What do I do with that? How do I respond to that? I remember the truth because you see your heart begins to fear, correct? And fear is believing a lie. 
Fear is the emotion that occurs when you are believing a lie. And you remember the truth. And what is the truth? You say to yourself, what? Self, no matter how you feel, no matter what it looks like, no matter what they say, God is able to keep me from stumbling. That doesn't mean you'll never sin. You'll never do something wrong. You'll never, as it were, stumble in your walk. That means you're going down, sister. You're going down. He is able not only to keep me from stumbling, but listen to the rest of it. And to make you stand. Look at that word. What? Make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. Is believing and knowing that God is omnipotent important. One of the reasons why we find ourselves shaky in our understanding and in our, in our walk is that we are shaky in this particular attribute, let alone others. So, because God is omnipotent, allow me, well, you, you're going to allow me. I want to read this, these verses. Because God is omnipotent, will there ever be a time where God is not omnipotent, all-powerful? Is there anything that God's will cannot and will not accomplish anything at all? No, because his will is always the outworking of his character. So because God is omnipotent, the Holy Spirit gives the Apostle Paul these words. And we know, you see how he starts? We know that God, now ESV says that in all things, you can go either way. You can go passive for God. All things are working for those. No, all things are not working. I'm sorry. I don't like ESV on this. Things are working. God is working in the midst of all things. For God is at work in all things. Amen? Do you see it? You see that proclamation. All things are not working except for our detriment if God is not working in them. For we know that God causes all things to work together for those who love him and who are the called according to his purpose. Look, listen. Why? Because those whom he foreknew, omniscience, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be, Jesus Christ, would be the firstborn of the many brethren. And those whom he predestined, all of this is a statement of God's omnipotence. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So let's ask this question about omnipotence. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? 
Think about it in your own life. What in your life, what in my life, who in my life can actually, actually separate us from the love of God? What? Is there anything in the created order that can overcome the power of God's will? Anything at all? Can you respond to me? Is there anything that any of you can think of that can overcome God's will and thwart his will so that his will shall not be done? Is there anything? If God weren't omnipotent, Ronnie, then you could say, well, yeah, there may be a few things. Is there any demon or numbers of demons? What does Jesus say? Even the gates of hell shall not, what, prevail against my church. This is important. Why? Because this is one of the areas where Satan loves to shake us. And we have to be on ground that won't move. So the next time you're going through a hell of a storm, right? And you're afraid like the disciples. Carest thou not that we perish. Remember that? What are you going to do? I'm not making fun of you. I'm just saying how I felt in the past. Oh, God, what's happening, Lord? Help me, Lord. Right? Don't start there. Don't start with yourself. Start with this. My God will bring me through this storm. Because he has promised that he will do his will in me. And no earthly storm will be able to overcome his purpose in my life. Do you believe that? Now, if you say yes, and I think we should. Oh, sorry. I, I know we should. Just get ready for the next storm. Because then you will be given the opportunity, Annabelle, to do what we just said. Who, what, shall separate us from the love of Christ? Listen to what he says. Tribulation, answer me. Oh, man, no. Tribulation. You want me to yell it out or you yell it out? Tribulation. No. That's how you speak to the enemy and to the circumstances. Distress. Persecution. Famine. Nakedness. Peril or sword. No. Stomp your foot. And when the enemy comes a knocking and a huffing and a puffing, what? No. You shall not cause me to waver in my assurance that my God is able to keep me. Amen. And to present me before himself blameless, and with great joy. Why? Because there is a man in the heavens in whom, by whom, through whom, whatever whom, we are maintained before the presence of God and in the fellowship of the Trinity forever. Amen? The moment that man 
leaves the throne, we cease. And he ain't going nowhere. As untouchable as Jesus is, we are in him as untouchable. Now, this leaves out a lot of other things, but that, there has to be some kind of a assertion here of the truth. As it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am, listen to the gutsy proclamation of this tenacious little Jewish man whose life was totally renovated by the Lord. For I am convinced that neither death nor life. You can just hear him. I'm convinced. Nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other thing in creation or created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because God is our say. He's untouched by anything to be changed in the creation, which takes us to the next point. Immutable. Immutable. What does immutable mean? Without change. Can't be changed. When we say God is immutable, we mean that God cannot cannot experience any change whatsoever to any aspect of his nature or character for any reason. Immutable means that God is today as he ever has been. God is the same today as he was before Genesis 1-1 and as he will be Forever and ever. Remember what Malachi 3, 6 says? What does he say? Yahweh says what? I, Yahweh. What does he say? I what? I change not. I do not change. You could say I, Yahweh, am immutable. I am immutable in my character, in my nature. In my person. You see, this means that every promise, how many? That every, how many? Every promise, all of God's promises for us in Christ are as immutable as God is. Aren't you glad? How many of you can say hallelujah? So let's do hallelujah for John sixteen thirty three. Come on, someone quote John 16, 33. Come on, what? Say it again. In the world, you're going to get it. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. You've just said hallelujah to the next group of problems. Don't you love being in here, Mike? Why do I do this? Because if we don't do it this way, we're going to forget when we leave, Maria. You see, guaranteed, 
guaranteed upon the basis of the immutable promise of God for us until Jesus returns, Ray, there is a storm coming into your life. There is a storm coming into your life. Hallelujah. Come on. At least, I don't say it with my feelings. I say it with theology. Hallelujah. Let it come. And watch what my God will do in the midst of it, Mike, right? Let it come. I don't do that because I'm some kind of a weirdo. I do that because in this is God so clearly and wonderfully manifested as greater. First John 4, 4. I can't hear the quote. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. How am I going to know that? Jody, how do I know that? Because when I'm in that boat and the winds and the waves, Nathan, are pounding against that boat, and I think Jesus is over there snoring away, snoring away. What's wrong with Jesus? These are fishermen. They're afraid. And he stands up, holds on to the mast of the ship, of the boat. He's a man. He'll be thrown overboard if he doesn't. There's winds and the waves are hitting that boat. The black, the storm, the lightning and everything else. This is a bad storm. And he stands up this man in whom the omnipotence of God is fully manifested. And he stands up and he looks into the face of Satan in that storm. Do you hear me? He looks into the face seeing the storm but knowing that is a satanic attack. And he says what? Be muzzled. Be muzzled, peace, be still. And all of a sudden, the storm what? And they thought they were afraid of the storm. And they said what? Look, 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 look. The world is watching us. Our friends, our family are watching us in the storm. And we want them to see. That there is someone in us, a great God, who is immutable, unstoppable, everything else according to his nature, who will overcome for his own glory. Amen? But you see, because God is immutable, that means that his omnipotence is immutable. Remember what I said, every attribute, that means that his omniscience is what? Immutable. That means that his, what's the next one? Omnipotence, omniscience, and hmm? omniscience, omnipresence, thank you, Joe, is immutable. Do you see how it works? Everything about God is immutable. Now, look at this. Because God's promises are mutable, listen to this from 2 Kings 8, 19. For the sake of his servant David, 
the Lord was not willing to destroy Judah. He had promised to maintain a lamp for David and his descendants forever. I have some verses in there when God promised. Because God is immutable, we can depend upon all of his promises coming fulfilled. Word fulfilled. So what do you see in Luke 24, 44? And I'm trying to finish this. Jesus says, everything written about me in the Tanakh. What is the Tanakh? Remember? The Jewish scriptures. What? Moses. The prophets and the Psalms. Everything written about me must be what? Fulfilled. Why? Why? Because God is immutable. Because what he's promised yesterday is as viable today, unchanging, as it ever will be. And all of it is fulfilled in one man and by one man. This is why we read in Hebrew 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same, immutable in all of his ways. Therefore, Jesus says, remember in John 14, don't let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my father's house are many, what, rooms or mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go away, what? Say it again. I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. The immutable promise of God, Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Philippians 1.6, listen to what this man says about the immutable will of God. I am confident of this very one thing. What does he say? Oh, I hope God gets me to the end. I hope. I... What does Paul say? I am confident of this very one thing. Are you confident of this? That he who has begun a good work. What is that good work? Our salvation. What's the next word? Say it again will do what bring it to perfection or perfected however your verse is bring it to perfection when completion fulfillment when on what the day of christ jesus what does that mean ben that means that when jesus returns you are going to be made complete and fulfilled you're no longer going to be something under construction you're going to be fully what god wants you to be in the return of Jesus. Amen. Why? Because God is immutable. And his promise is immutable. For those whom he foreknew. I've already read this. He predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Listen to what Peter says. We have the prophetic word more sure. We have a more sure word. He said we saw, the, we saw Jesus on the mountain. We saw the transfiguration. We were there. But there's something more sure than what you saw. Something more sure than what you experienced. What is it? The unchangeable word of God. He's telling you there. It's wonderful to experience. 
but don't make your assurance be built on your assurance or someone's testimony about dying, going to see Jesus, and coming back. Don't believe all that. The word says it is given unto man what? Once to die and then the judgment. It doesn't say you'll get to travel around heaven for a little while and, and get, come back. and uh, Be careful. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. God is immutable. So we've learned about the aseity of God, omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence, and immutability. So next week, we'll continue to talk about the attributes of God. Thank you so much for being here.